This is Bumping Into Walls, a show about living with vision loss, the challenges, the successes, and the day-to-day walls we all bump into. Welcome to Bumping Into Walls. I'm Anthony Hodges. Many of us map out our futures, planning our education, career, and lifestyle. But what happens when the journey is interrupted? In this episode, our guest will tell us how his world changed unexpectedly. With me in studio are Jesse Tregarthen and Kathy McLeod. Hi, Hi Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Today we have with us Mike Hambly to tell his story. Welcome aboard, Mike. Thanks for having me. So, um, Mike, perhaps you can tell us uh, something about the beginning of your story. Sure. Um, I guess it all started on uh, July 31st, 1994, which is about 25 years ago right now, when I was driving my truck down a secondary highway. I was working on a farm at the time, and I lost control of my pickup truck, got thrown out the windshield, uh, breaking all the bones in my face, and instantly destroying my eyes, and I broke my back at the same time, uh, paralyzing me from the waist down. So I... uh, uh, once they got me into the hospital up here in Calgary, because this happened just northeast of Lethbridge, and uh, I uh, woke up in ICU thinking I was still on my couch at home on the farm. We're, you know, end of July, we're taking the crop off, you know, busy time, you know, so um, I realized what happened and they sedated me and, you know, went back to sleep for a bit and <clears throat> woke up and thought this was all a dream and and then I uh, don't really know, remember when it actually hit and then, uh, you know, when I remember it all. But yeah, ICU, in intensive care for about a month and many, many hours of surgery in the first month or two, probably about 40 hours of surgery between 18 and a half hours on my face and rebuilding my back and that sort of stuff. So that's sort of where it began. So that was certainly life-changing. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, Two little kids at the time, uh, went through a divorce. Uh, the, my wife at the time abandoned me and the kids for you know, whatever reason. And fortunately, I had, I had very good family support. And my family stepped in to help me with me and my kids while I was trying to sort of get better. So, yeah. So... When you're laying there and you're trying to decide, like, I guess it kind of sounds like that that old Ronald Reagan movie when he kind of says, where's the rest of me? <clears throat> yeah, I mean... I mean, I forget a lot. 25 years ago, I mean, there's lots that are kind of, things that are kind of shady now, and I forget. And I mean, they're you know, probably good things. Some of it I forget. I mean, but it, uh, you know, just, you know, I wasn't really thinking about too much of the future at that point because I really didn't know about me and myself and trying to find me and knowing, well, what's life going to be like now as a person with a disability? And, so what was life like before the accident? What were you doing before your accident? Oh, 
did pretty much anything physical. I, you know, was uh, working on the farm, um, you know, raising cows and, you know, riding horses, breaking bulls, and, you know, and uh, I was a mechanic, I was a welder, I carpentry, I drove truck, and did pretty much anything physical, really. I mean, uh, so, you know, I'm thinking, well, I don't know how I'm going to do that sort of stuff now, and sort of, I guess, analyzing my life a number of months after, and or maybe even a year after, I guess, and what am I going to do? And, uh, I, my parents were on a farm with my kids, you know, south of Lesbridge there in the middle of nowhere, and there was no life there for me, so I moved to Calgary in the fall of 1995, you know, about a year and a bit after my accident, and, uh, Moved into a group home and I was there for about 14 months or so and moved out in my own apartment and started building that aspect of things for myself and I was volunteering with a few di different disability organizations and then I went to school and became a social worker. So, What made you choose social work over the other things uh, that were out there? I guess to be honest, I mean, part of it was um, I was a high school dropout before, so I quit just a little bit into grade 10. Uh, so I challenged all my uh, college exams, actually, because I really didn't want to do three years of upgrading. Um, and uh, did all that with all my exams. And, and then I, uh, I guess one reason why I took social work is it it's, more diverse I mean you could do a lot more with it I mean there was you know uh, whether it was working with persons with disabilities or you know or I mean you can research or I really didn't know what I was going to do but yeah, it's kind so. of a, a 180 though from what your old life was wasn't it like, yeah, really? I mean, yeah I get, but there was some transitional uh, you know transitions there I mean uh, but yeah. when you when you think about the way you had your old <clears throat> life mapped out, it, it's kind of really different, isn't it? Yeah, but I was also a kid. I mean, I was twenty three when I had my accident. I mean, yeah. I was just you know, I didn't. I was, you know, wild and crazy, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you were ready for a change yeah, in, was, in yeah. one way. Yeah. So I was twenty seven when I went to school. So hopefully, a little more maturity there and a different attitude. And, I wanted to go to school where I didn't like school before. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. they send us to school too young. Maybe they should wait and let us go to school when we're 30. Well, I suppose. Give us a job that you don't really like, and then you'll appreciate school more, I guess. Was there anything you other wanted to do other than social work, or was that your first choice? Um. <clears throat> yeah, I guess, you know, I seen some employment counselors and did some vocational evaluations and that's sort of what it came up with and uh, uh I don't know I didn't really know what I could do I mean there was the idea of technology I guess but I mean I didn't know too much about that at that point in time and you know sort of <clears throat> fumbling my way with the you know technology and JAWS, which is a screen reader we, we use on a computer, and didn't know too much about that at that time, but it, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
Did you ever think of getting involved in politics? Well, later on in my career, actually, I was involved quite heavily in, in politics, actually, as with the Premier's Council on the Status of Persons with Disabilities. That was enough. Oh, yeah. I that can was, understand that. That was enough. So it was a, I'm not a politician. I'm not of that nature. So, but um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I had enough politics and bureaucracy in my in my own life. I didn't need to become one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I haven't heard from Jesse. <laughs> Sitting over there. I've, I've just I've just been listening and, and and thinking and soaking in on things and I can definitely relate you know, as far as the, the school thing goes. I wish I'd you know, had more focus when I went to college and paid more attention to the I guess to the, the importance of it. Uh, and so it's great that you were able to to come back to that, yeah. Because right. it is a big, a big part of making it in this world. And I'm fortunate to have the job I have, but I know that right. You know, you, you can go a lot farther with with some post secondary education uh, as you have. Well, you're right in the same age group that he was in when he had his accident, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the old guy. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I think that education's important and it taught taught me a lot. I mean I you know, I had to you know, had to get around Mount Royal College at the time. It's now obviously a university but it's now huge. But I was fortunate that it was small at the time and you know, small classes, uh, twenty five, thirty people and it was uh, it was it was really it taught me a lot a lot yeah. and i think like to your point about it teaching you a lot even if you don't you know pass and, and get a diploma and make great marks you know if you end up like me and don't pass and all that um sorry i feel like whether you pass or don't you walk away and you know tell me if you agree with this you walk away with having learned a lot about just life no, I agree. And uh, one story that I tell, I took a, you know, back in uh, when DOS days, you know, prior to Windows, DOS is a, an operating system that was out before Windows um, that um, uh, was command line prompt. So you have to type things in there and all the time. I, I never used a computer as a sighted person. And uh, so I learned... That's all. That's all I know is learning a computer with JAWS, which is again our screen reader. But I remember being in in the computer class at CNIB, and you know, at the break, you know, at the, at the lunchroom, and you know, somebody telling me, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, just squirt the toothpaste in your mouth. Don't worry about putting it on the toothbrush because it makes a mess, or it can make a mess. And it's like. So those life skills or those life teachings, as you said, Jesse, I mean, are huge. I mean, yes, we're taking a course, but the things we learn sort of on the side or uh, along with that course is valuable. And it is so funny that you mention that because mm-hmm. every night of my life up to last night, I've been putting the toothbrush, the toothpaste on my <laughs> toothbrush and making a mess. Yeah. And now you've just pointed something out to me that I'd never, never even thought of. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah. like I know, I personally owe a lot to 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 people who I just met and and learned stuff from, like you said. Well, and that was 
what I found just taking courses, and that's why I liked taking group courses at the CNIB, because mm -hmm. I found just sharing things was really great. Mm -hmm. And that's what I miss about that. Which, which kind of brings me to a question. Sure. You know, obviously there's the importance of, uh, of uh, you know, going to computer classes like that and learning how to do things as a blind person. Uh, but what did it mean to you in the time to, to get mixed in with people who were, who were blind, people that you could now relate to in your kind of new life? Like how important was that to your development, I guess? There's no words, actually, Jesse. It's huge. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I tell the story about the in individual that worked for CNIB at the time that came to see me the very first time that he he wasn't totally blind, but he was, you know, had a fairly significant visual impairment and talking about things that he he does in his life and so on and so forth. And then when 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 they he I guess brought me my first talking watch. I'm in a hospital, you have no sense of time. I mean, I didn't, you know, my nights and days were all of that. I mean, uh, I didn't even know what daytime or nighttime was. I mean, you know, I'm learning to adapt to my own environment because I, I lost my sight instantly. Um, but, you know, those computer courses, as I said, I mean, there's uh, talking to people and being with people, I mean, even here right now, the four of us, I mean, you know, learning and sharing and it's invaluable. I mean, it's, we, we, we learn so much from each other. Can we learn stuff from people with, without disabilities? Absolutely. But I think the empowerment that it has behind it, and it means so much more because there's credibility there. You know, if Anthony talks about going down with using his cane in such and such a way, and it was like, well, okay, you can use your cane this way, but if you try this little twist, maybe you know, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just those tricks and and uh, you know that we learn from other people from a their mistakes and b their successes. And yet, I will tell you, just themes for this show, I often get from fully sighted people who ask me questions about how we do things because it never occurs to me that people wonder about how blind people do things. And there's tricks to the trade, like, you know, the, the, the toothpaste thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's a simple thing, but it's huge and some people don't like it and that's fine I mean if you want to put the tooth toothpaste on your brush I mean, go ahead I mean I don't I have my own tooth tube of toothpaste it's only for me so I yeah. can put my own spit on it it don't matter mm -hmm. I mean you know <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing whether you're disabled or, or not disabled you know each person might have totally different ways of accomplishing any given task you are listening to Bumping Into Walls on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. Is there anything that you found as you were going through school and then you got out that you realize now, gee, the attitudes have changed? I think we've come a long ways with attitude. I've, I've always said myself uh, that I think the biggest barrier we have out there is is attitude. I mean... You know, where as 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 you said, Jesse. I mean, your your ability as a parent is questioned because you're blind. I mean, uh, do we have a ways to go with that? Always, always. I mean, I don't think uh, you know we ever change 
attitude. I mean, I've had, I don't now, but I've had guide dogs in the past and, you know, um, you know, and that just people not, not having an understanding of the purpose of a guide dog, but I think we've made improvements, uh, but I think that, um, I think we're trying, I think, you know, I think there's, uh, but I think that's like anything though. I mean, whether it's people with disabilities or it's, I mean, you look at Calgary and the, our multicultural society, I mean, and understanding cultures and, and society is, or in Calgary, I mean, is, you know, there's attitudes there. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and each of us, you know, each of us can always learn something, you know, for as much as, you know, I wish people would know more about blindness. Um, there's, you know, probably if I, you know, like... When we when we interviewed Dave Morrison, who was deafblind, there's you know he probably yeah. wished that you know that like I think we just we all three of us discovered how little we actually you know what it was like to to sit in a room with somebody who couldn't hear and sign language and you know the delays in conversation and I think we learned a lot doing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I think it's. I mean, that's why you guys are doing this program. I think yeah. that trying to change some of those attitudes, trying to educate, trying to help people have some understanding. I mean, they're they're not going to fully understand, but then, uh, you know, and I think the other piece of the puzzle is hope. If there's somebody listening out there that's recently having trouble with their eyes or lost their vision quite suddenly, there's hope. There is life after a disability or with a disability, I guess would be a better way to put it, but I think that uh, we're very fortunate that, and I've said this in, the, in previous meetings with people and whatnot, that we're fortunate we live in the day we do. Because if I had my accident 25 years prior to 1994, I don't know if I'd be here. Technology has changed, and I'm just focusing on medical. I don't know if they would have been able to sort of, uh, you know, fix my injury, so to speak, you know? Not Did you find in the way. hospital that it was different insofar as how they treated you versus <coughs> now how they would treat someone? Um, I think so. I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, uh, I had some wonderful people, but, you know, there was there were some that didn't. I mean, I remember, I remember shortly after my injury, I, uh, you know, Nurses have quiet shoes, and they'd come into my room, and they'd talk to me once they got to the side of my bed, and I mean, I almost hit the ceiling. So my orientation mobility instructor actually put a sign on my on the door to say, hey, announce yourself prior to entry, or or whatever it said, I don't know, something like that, and, and it made a difference. I'm, I remember, I would hope that they wouldn't do this now. I mean, I remember having a nurse come into my room and, and, and sticking a straw in my mouth with with uh, a cup of water to, to help me moisten my mouth and when I didn't even I didn't know she was doing it and, and it was just a, just a reflex I, I I actually I grabbed her arm and twisted her arm and you know it, and it just because it just startled me so bad and I would hope they're not doing those sort of things now I mean I think some of them are, unfortunately, Mike. That was my last experience in a hospital, that they that they still are doing things like that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's 
lot of education to be done there for sure. So, but yeah. It depends upon their training sometimes. I don't think it's nurses. I think it's sometimes the aides that are doing it. Anyway, fortu- fortunately, medicine has really done some wonderful things. And, and nowadays, if you had that same accident, the medicine would be even further advanced. Yeah. Yeah. So just sort of carrying on with my journey, I talked about, you know, my accident and, you know, after that and, you know, many hours of, of surgery and, um, you know, I returned to my parents' farm and then I returned, came back to Calgary in the fall of 1995 where, like I said, I lived in a group home for about 14 months, which, you know, really, you know, was the development to, to teaching me who I was and, and am. And then I moved out of there in February of 1997 and, uh, um, uh, yeah, that's right. And moved into my own apartment, and uh, um, then I was I was volunteering and with various organizations, and started school in September of 1997. Where, like I said, I took took the program, social work diploma program at Mount Royal College at the time, a uh, two year program over about three and a half years. Um, when I was just finishing up my last practicum, actually, I actually did my last practicum as a social worker. While I was working, I got hired actually at CNIB as an intake worker there, not with just my practicum left. So I, I started working there in two thousand end of two thousand. I was there for about three years, and then I went to the Independent Living Resource Center where I was an advocate. That's really what I what they paid me to do. I, you know, I ACE appeals, which is the disabilities uh, so, social support. So, Sports and uh, financial in Alberta, um, you know, housing, transportation, education, so on and so forth was, you know, helping people advocate for themselves and showing those tools. And and then uh, I left there. I needed a change. I was getting pretty burnt out. I was oh, uh, during that stint, I was actually part of the Premier's Council and status of persons with disabilities as well, where I was there nine years, six of that as a member, three as the chair of the province trying to make changes for policy and legislation and that stuff. And then um, then I went to the Canadian Parapolice Association as an employment counselor. So I did that for four years. And, uh, yeah, helping people, you know, with physical disabilities, not visual impairments, uh, with, uh, you know, finding work and, you know, pre-employment skills and that sort of stuff. And then my funding got ended in uh, March of 2012 and it kind of made me the, a choice for my life which at the time didn't seem really that good but prior to that I had started my business Braillet in 2001 which I had as a part-time business the whole time um, my main focus with Braillet is is brailing business cards, A, for you know people that are blind and visually impaired, and but also as a marketing tool for companies and that sort of stuff. So and during that time, we actually, with the help of the University of uh, Calgary and the Mechanical Engineering Department, we, we actually built a press, actually a custom press to be able to do business cards. So I still use that today. So, so in 2012, I mean... I thought, well, let's see if Braillet can 
sort of go full time. So that's what I've been doing for the last seven and a half ish years and been at home doing my own thing. So would you say that it has helped you in your attitude to always have something to do, to always be busy? I I can't keep up with my own life. I'm I'm very fortunate that I have what I have. I have a I have a home in Southeast Calgary that's been that I've totally renovated to, for both my disabilities. I mean, there's always renovations around the house. There's always something to do. There's always yeah. I'm very fortunate. I do have lots to do. I mean, uh, I mean, it's, you know. it sounds as if really, other than in the first while after your accident, as if you have always had your life full, like you started education, you've worked, you've been advocating, you've been on different councils, you've been busy. But that's who I've always been. I mean, I remember as a small child, I mean, you know, six, seven years old, you know, getting in heck from my mom for not being in the house. I was outside. And And as for keeping busy, I don't know what you think, Mike, but I tend to think that... uh, you know, keeping keeping busy can can keep the the spirits up. I guess I find when I when I sit too long, I tend to think too much, and True. you know, it just kind of goes downhill from there. So, so Mike, do you feel that uh, in your time, you know, working with the the CNIB and the CPA, that uh, do you feel you had the opportunity to to give back to to people the hope and everything that was was given to you when you first had your accident and had and had mentors I hope I have I hope I've I've given people you know at least half as much as they've given me I mean uh, I think that you know uh, I don't know I I hope so I mean I mean I tried and I mean it's uh, you know what uh, we're all individuals and you know, I hope that I gave them hope to say, "Hey, I mean, you can, you can do this." And I was very fortunate that I had people that believed in me. And but I guess I also pushed. I pushed that I, I, I'm able to do this. And I'm, and I realize that not everybody has that ability. Not everybody is as stubborn or, you know, as, as forceful as I am. And, you know, I got hired at the CNIB, my, you know, my first job as a sort of social worker. And, you know, um, yes, I'm, 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 I'm blind to work at CNIB, but I still have to have the skills. I still have to have the proper credentials and that to be able to do the job. And like I say, at this, that attitude, I was very fortunate that like I say, through my volunteer experience and networking and so on and so forth, I had, well, in all my jobs, I had people that believed in me. So I hope I've given that to other people as well. Thank you very much, Mike. That was wonderful. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Normally here at Bumping Into Walls, we do all the editing and production of the show. But due to technical difficulties, we would like to thank Braden Alexander spoken word director, and Mike Gratton, station engineer, for their assistance in the making of this episode. Without you guys, this episode wouldn't have been possible. If you would like to find out more information on Mike Hamley's business, 
you can check it out on the web at brailleit, B-R-A-I-L-L-E-I-T dot C-A. Tune in next time to see what people, places, or things we've been bumping into. To contact Bumping Into Walls, find us on Twitter at into underscore walls. Or send us an email at bumpingintowalls at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, bumpingintowalls.wordpress.com. Bumping Into Walls is produced, edited, and hosted by Jesse Tregarthen, Anthony Hodges, and Catherine McLeod.